Well, when I, uh, I got the news that I had been uh, chosen to come out to preach, I was probably into my second week after having back surgery. I was in a really low state, and I was checking my emails, and there an email was from Alan, and it said, in alphabetical order, here are the names. Rick Gardner had Jennifer, and, or David and Jennifer, and I was so excited, and I said, hey, guess what? I was chosen, and I was so excited. And I remember talking to my treasurer, uh, at a church and I was telling her, I said, uh, I don't even know what sermon to preach. What should I preach? You know, and she said, I think you should preach the one that you preached the day that you were on Percocet. Yeah, that was the best one you've ever preached before. So uh, I had to pray about it. And uh, after much prayer, I decided, I said, well, you know, I, I thought that was a really good message. I thought it was a very general message. Uh, I don't remember much of the message today I preached it, but it was recorded so I can go back and watch it. But today I wanted to share with you something that is uh, a responsibility to each one of us who we call Christians. We call ourselves Christians and we have a responsibility. So today my topic, uh, the title of this message, is the CEP for Reaching the Lost. Now you can find that in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10, or if you want to use one of the pew Bibles, the chapel Bibles, you can find it on page uh, 1035. And as you're looking through there and searching for Luke, I just want to tell you a story about a young little boy, a young six-year-old uh, six little boy, who is struggling listening to a rather lengthy message, not one of mine, but uh, it was a rather lengthy message. And after the service, he was talking to his dad. And he asked this question that most church kids will normally ask. He says, Dad, he says, what does the preacher do the rest of the week? Well, Dad thought about it for a moment. And he said, well, son, he's a very busy man. He, he takes care of the church business. He visits the sick. He studies the Bible. And he takes time to rest. You see, preaching in public isn't an easy job. The little boy thought about it for a moment. And he said, well, listening isn't so easy either. <laughs> The truth is that listening isn't always easy, especially when the messages are challenging. And today's message may be challenging because I'm going to share a subject with you that is something that we're all called to do, the responsibility of all Christians, which is reaching the lost. And although it may be challenging, it is a message of the Bible. And as such, it is not meant to condemn. It is meant to, to change us. It is meant to challenge us. And sometimes that means that it is meant to pull us out of a comfort zone. So there you are at Luke chapter 15. You're waiting for me. And I'm going to begin at verse 1. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners while gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Well, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a, light, a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I tell, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. In these two parables, 
something of valuable is lost. In the story, the things that are lost, whether it be sheep or coin, have monetary value. No one, including religious leaders who valued material things, would ignore such a loss. Rather, they would put every effort into finding it. And when they did, they would rejoice. If this is true about material things that are lost, shouldn't it also be for people who are spiritually lost? The term lost refers to those who are not Christians, those who are on the outside of the household of God, those who God desires to be found. And you can see that in the story of the prodigal son, where the father says about the son who has repented and come home. He says he was lost and is found. Shouldn't we respond to people who are lost in the same way, than the way we should to the material things that are lost? I believe that this passage is primarily to remind us as Christians how we should respond to the lost. And I believe it is in three ways. Through compassion, through effort, and persistence. So let's begin with the first one, compassion. Look back over verses 1 and 2. Jesus had the tax collectors and sinners gathering around him. These are lost people who were not running from him, but running to him. They were not avoiding him, ignoring him, or even hostile towards him. In verse 1 it says, they were gathering around to hear him. So why were sinners so willingly and eager to even listen to Jesus? I mean, it certainly wasn't because he had an easy message that tickled their ears. It wasn't because he compromised on sin or watered down the message and said that everything that they were doing was acceptable. It wasn't that they were gathering around him because he was putting on some sensationalistic show of signs and wonders. I mean, at this point in Luke's narrative, the emphasis on Jesus' teachings and his miracles had hardly even been mentioned. So why did the loss seek out Jesus rather than run from him. I believe it was because of his compassion. Jesus loved and showed that love with a compassion instead of a condemning attitude. And in verse 2 it says that Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. One of the definitions of the Greek word translates as welcomes in this verse as to receive as a friend. This was Jesus' attitude toward those who were lost in sin. He welcomed them. He was compassionate and accepting of them despite their sins and their faults. He was a friend, not a foe. Jesus had an attitude that the lost were attracted to. Do we? Let's think about that. For us as individuals and as a church to reach out to these people, we are going to have to show that same type of love and compassion and acceptance to those who are lost. There was a police officer who had served many years on the force. And he said at the scene of the accidents, there's usually three types of, there's usually three groups of people, each with different responses to those involved in the accidents. The first group are the bystanders, the onlookers. We sometimes call them the rubberneckers. These are the ones who are curious of what's going on, but really have no active involvement to anything that's taking place. The second group is the police officers. Their response is to investigate the scene of the accident, assign to blame, and give out an appropriate warnings and the punishment. And then you have the third group, the paramedics. They're the people that are usually welcomed by those who are involved in the accident. They can care less whose fault it is. They're not there to engage in a lecture about bad driving, driving habits. They're there to help the hurting. They're, they bandage their wounds. They free the trap people and they give words of encouragement such as everything's going to be okay. It's all right. 
three groups, one uninvolved, one assigning blame and assessing punishment, and one helping the hurting. Which group do you see yourself in? When it comes to reaching the lost and the hurting, we're going to be in one of those groups whether we like it or not. Either we will be uninvolved while others are doing the work, or we will be, or will we be condemning the people for their foolish behavior, or we'll be the ones concentrating on those who are lost and hurting. I hope that we will be like those showing compassion in the last group. Sadly, much of the church is responding to the lost like the police officers instead of the paramedics. This is what the Pharisees and the teachers of the law did. They were more interested in condemning and criticizing than showing compassion. And yes, we, sometimes as the church uh, that we're part of, uh, we do the very same thing. We're rightfully upset about the current state of the moral values such as abortion, the homosexual agenda, and the immoral entertainment that surround us in everywhere we look. And it's fine and appropriate to be concerned about these issues, but we must be careful that our concerns about these issues do not turn into condemnation toward the lost. The, not, the lost never flock to those who are condemning them about them and their actions. They will never listen to us if we have this type of attitude. Let me say that one more time. The lost will never flock to those who are condemning them and their actions. They'll never come to us for that. The Church of Jesus Christ as a whole and the Church of the Nazarene must administer compassion to the lost and to the broken heart in our communities. We must seek out and speak up about the immoral issues that are going around us. But we must also offer ways of forgiveness to these people so that they can know that they can be forgiven of their sinful lifestyle. So in order to reach the lost, you've seen that we must have compassion. And the second thing is we need is effort. There's a story about a family uh, that had a very scary incident once. Uh, it was a mother and father of three who got up one morning and they noticed that their youngest daughter wasn't in bed. At first they were pretty calm about it, you know, thinking maybe she had just gotten up in the middle of the night and gotten into bed with someone else. Soon they realized that she was in no one else's bed. They began to grow frantic. Their hearts accelerated as they yelled her name, but there was no response. At one point, their love for her compelled them to make every effort to find her, including running from room to room and tearing apart everything in search for her. At no point did they ever say, well, you know, at least we have two other children, so let's be okay. No, that one lost child mattered. She mattered enough to give everything they had toward finding her. Eventually, after what seemed to be an eternity, but was only a few moments, they did find her. She was actually under her bed, sound asleep, oblivious to everything that was taking place. It took effort in finding this little girl. And it will take the same kind of diligent seeking for us to reach the lost. In these two parables, Jesus emphasizes the effort that went into finding the lost. In the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus said in verse 4 that the shepherd would leave the 99 sheep in the open country and go after the lost sheep. And in verse 8, the parable of the lost coin, the woman lights a lamp, sweeps the whole house, and searches carefully for the lost coin. In both cases, the thing that is lost had to be sought after with great effort. The shepherd did not wait for the sheep to come home, and the woman did not wait for the coin to just turn up. How do we practice this principle? What do we need to do in order to follow Jesus' instruction about giving effort to reaching the lost here? There's a few examples I have. First, 
a significant part of our prayers should be for the lost. And second, making every effort means that a significant part of our ministries in the church should be directed towards reaching the lost, such as outreach programs, VBS, just to name a few. These are simple but practical things that we can apply to this principle that Jesus has shared on reaching the lost. While it is important that the church corporately makes an effort to reach the lost, the most important thing that you and I can do in reaching the lost is to share Jesus with everyone that we come in contact with. Ever since I've been pastoring in Lynn, uh, we have an annual ritual. Every Monday, just about it, uh, we eat at Johnny Rockets. I don't know if you know Johnny Rockets restaurants, but it's a 50s style diner. And we met a young waitress there by the name of Nikki. Nikki's a young lady struggling. Uh, she grew, grew up Catholic, but not going to church much at all. We started talking. She found out I was a pastor. We actually uh, got her copies of uh, The Purpose Driven Life. Her and her husband started reading it. Questions started coming more and more, more in depth. Last time we ate there, she was actually asking us questions about tithing and how do you do it? How is it done? And so we were able to share all of this about what Jesus has done, not only in our lives, but what Jesus can do in her life as well. We must make every opportunity. And if you don't think you have time to do it, think about the effort that Christ used to reach you. He made it a matter of importance, and so should we. Well, now that we have seen that we need compassion and effort in reaching the lost, the third and the final thing we need is persistence. In both these cases, Jesus notes specifically that the person continued seeking for the lost item until he or she had found it. In other words, Jesus seems to be pointing out that persistence was needed uh, for equality, for success. After all, a lost sheep among spacious fields and hills and a lost coins on a dirt floor in a Jewish home would not have easily or quickly been found. In the same way with reaching the lost, it is not easy to reach people's hearts so that they receive Jesus. How many times have you witnessed the people and asked them to come to church? How many times have you told them, this is what you need, and yet they continue to say, no thank you, no thank you. Sometimes it takes several years of persistence, but we should not be discouraged or give up. If a sheep or a coin was valuable enough to, per to persistently search for, then people who are spiritually lost are too valuable to give up on. Following a, an exhilarating performance at New York's Carnegie Hall, the celebrated ch uh, classic cellist Yo-Yo Ma went home, slept and awoke the next day exhausted and rushed. He called for a cab to take him to a hotel on the other side of Manhattan. He then placed his handcrafted uh, 1733 uh, cello made in Vienna, in the, uh, which was valued at $2.5 million in the trunk of the cab. When he, received, when he reached his destination, he got out, he paid the driver, and he forgot his cello, left it right there in the trunk. After the cab had disappeared, he realized what had happened. He began a desperate search for the missing instrument. Fortunately, he had a receipt with the, cab with the cabbie's ID number. So after an all-day search, the taxi was located in a garage up in Queens with the priceless cello still in the trunk. Yo-Yo Ma's smile could not be contained as he spoke to the reporters. Yo-Yo Ma did not quit because he persisted, because he would, what was lost was too valuable to give up on. The spiritually lost are too valuable for us to quit trying to reach through, reach, reach through our efforts, even though they don't pay off that quickly. Think about the family member that you've been praying for to come to Christ 
and they haven't done it. Think about that, that co-worker that you keep inviting, that you keep knowing that just needs Jesus in their heart. Think about that friend that you know that just needs it, and, and yet they just continue to say, no way, it's not for me. Don't ever give up. Continue to be persistent as we pursue this, as we continue to share Jesus, not only through the words that we say, but through the lifestyles that we live. We talk a lot about holiness and consecration. Do we act it? Is it evident in our lives? Are we sharing all these things with the people? Are we being persistent and never, ever giving up? Or do we only do it every so often? In conclusion... The religious leaders of that day had been indifferent toward the lost and even agnostic toward them coming to Jesus. Jesus uses these two parables to illustrate how wrong their response was, especially when compared to how they would have responded to recover something of far less value. Jesus pointed out how joyful they would have been at recovering a lost sheep or a lost coin. So certainly they should have been joyous instead of angered at the loss coming to him. Jesus then pointed out the one thing that matters the most to God is the lost. They matter so much to God that when the lost are found, even just one, all of heaven rejoices. If lost people matter this much to God, shouldn't they matter this much to us? Shouldn't we be willing to give everything needed in order to reach them? My answer is yes, and I pray that yours is as well. What is needed? in today's time to reach the lost? What is the challenge that I can offer you today to continue to reach the lost? It is through compassion, effort, and persistence. Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much for just the ability to, uh, to speak your word. Lord, these are words that I write down, but these are words that you have directed. Father, these are words that you have can pierce through hearts. And Lord, you know that you have called us by name. And you know that just because we have accepted you, the work isn't over. Father, you have called us to witness to people. Father, you have called us to live in an example that you have set forth. We are created in your holy image. May we be your holy people before a lost world that we live in. Lord, we know that you're coming back to take us home. But until then, may we show the compassion that you showed in the Bible that we can read. Father, may we, may we just understand it. May we take hold of it. May we just embrace it so that we can do the very same thing. And not look at the person as they are, but see them as what they can become through you. Father, may we have the effort. May we continue, no matter what, to, to reach them. And, and just make sure that it is an effort that we never give up on. Father, may the persistence always be there. That no matter whether they turn us down today, tomorrow we'll continue to ask them to come and to see you and to let them know just how much you love them. Father, you have called us each by name. You have given each one of us a task. Whether we're professors, whether we're pastors, whether we're missionaries, whatever we are called, we are all Christians because we have accepted you. And this is the responsibility that we have. Lord, I pray this, that this challenge today on each one of us, that we will never give up in reaching the lost. That whenever you return, there will be so much of a boatload that goes home because we have done our part as Christians and as your children. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this time of being together. May it continue to challenge us as we leave here. And we pray this in your precious holy name. Amen.